We're continuing our series on Tis the Season, and this week is to cherish. Somebody say to cherish. I want you to turn in your Bibles with us this morning to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. It says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you that your word became flesh and dwelt among us. And thank you that we live in America that we can freely celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Thank you. And Lord, over the next few moments, help me to speak your word. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. Help me to say everything that you need to say to us to challenge us. So that we become more like the Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, in everything we give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated today. The past two weeks, we've talked about tis the season to believe. Last week was tis the season to wonder. And this week is tis the season to cherish. The definition of the word cherish is to feel or show great love for someone or something. To remember or hold in a deeply felt way. Isaiah 9 is a prophecy. The coming of God wrapped in flesh. Given. If something is given, then it must be a gift. I want to point to your attention to verse 7 in the New King James Version, and it emphasizes what it says. It says this, Of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. There is no end to his peace, church. There is no storm big enough that his peace can't penetrate. There is no tragedy too horrific that his peace won't bring you peace through the tragedy. And you will never experience a heartache too great that his peace won't calm down and heal. Anyone thankful for his peace today? Unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is given. And unto us peace is granted. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Cherish. To feel or show great love for someone or something to remember or hold in a deeply felt way. My wife cherishes me. A lot. In fact, every day when she comes home, she squeezes me and she says, you are the most amazing man to ever walk the face of the earth. She doesn't say that. I'm sorry, but she will now. I'm just, I'm just messing with her. I'm just picking on her. But she cherishes me so much and I cherish her. Has anyone ever given you something that you cherish? Do you have an object that you hold tight to your heart because of its meaning or because of who it's from? Maybe it's a memory. Maybe it's a moment. Maybe it's a place. You see, this time last year was an extremely difficult time for some children and some parents and some families in Connecticut. You see, our hearts go out to them during this Christmas season because this marks one year of one of our nation's worst tragedies. You see, when I think about this story, I can't help to think about 
the unopened present. I can't help but think about the toys that were wrapped underneath the Christmas trees in the homes of those children. And I can't help but think about how those parents had to go home that night and probably sit down in their living room and stare at the tree and see the gifts that were wrapped in their child. The unopened present. Think about the Spider-Man that would have been opened, the Barbie dolls that would have been opened, and, 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 and to know that parents were waiting for that moment when their kids would open that present and their eyes would glow and come alive and be filled with excitement, and that present, for some, may still be sitting there. It's moments like this that cause us to examine our lives and hold tight to the things that we cherish. You see, I, I have two little children in my life that I love more than what words could possibly express. And I pray over my kids every single day. And there's certain things in my prayer that I pray every single time. And I know that if they were to come in here and, I, and you ask them, what are some of the things that I pray for them, they'll be able to quote them because I pray it every single day. And I tell them the same thing every single day. You don't believe me? Ask my wife. Ask my kids. I make a point, no matter where we are in the busy schedule or at night or sometime during the day, to walk up to my son and walk up to my daughter, whether it's in bed or just me and them, and I say, Judah, you're a man of God. Jocelyn, you are a woman of God. And you're going to do great things for Jesus. You're going to win millions for Jesus. And I tell them, you are a leader. You are more than a conqueror. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And after every single one of those, they're both saying, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I believe in speaking life into my kids. And I cherish those moments. I tell them probably, and I'm not exaggerating, a bazillion times a day how much I love them. They probably get sick of me saying it. I say it so much. I grab them. I squeeze them. I get right in their ear and I say, I love you so much. I tell Judah how handsome he is every day. I tell Jocelyn how beautiful she is. I cherish those moments. I had a moment this week that I'm going to cherish probably the rest of our lives. My son is hilarious. He had a book fair this week. And he wanted to make sure that I showed up and took him to the book fair. And I promise him, buddy, I won't be late. I will be there. We'll go to that book fair and we will, we will get you whatever you want. That book, man, we'll get you that book. He wanted the Lego book. And so he shows up and we go through, we, I get him that Lego book and he's all excited. He's pumped up because his daddy came to school and he goes back to class. He's on cloud nine. But I go back to the office and sign myself out. And the lady that normally goes to the lunchroom during the lunch hour and watches over the children, she says, I've got one on your son today. I went, oh, no. I said, well, what did he do? In, our, in Manly's cafeteria at lunchtime, they sit boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. Well, on Thursday was Big Daddy Pizza Day, and that's Judah's favorite day. So he was in a good mood going to school. They're having Big Daddy Pizza at school. And so here two girls are already seated, having a seat, sitting down for lunch, eating. He has his tray, and this, this teacher just so happened to be in the right place at the right time, was watching what took place, and Judah plopped his tray down, straddled that seat, and looked at both of them and said, what's up, ladies? <laughs> I 
And she said she had to turn around because she just busted out laughing. I said, oh, my gosh, it's already started. And so and so he got home. I said, Judah, I heard she was um, flirting with some girls today at lunch. He, and he don't know what that means. He's like, what? I said, did you say what's up to some ladies at lunch day? He went, yeah, like that. And I said, well, why did you do that? He said, because you say it all the time. And I went, what? <laughs> I quickly went to Melissa and said, he's talking about you, babe. He's talking about you. But I cherish that moment. I cherish that. To feel or show great love for someone or something, to remember or hold uh, in a deeply felt way, there will be unopened presents around someone's Christmas tree this year. One of the teachers in this account from a Connecticut during this horrible day, some of the kids, all she gave account was is that kids were running around saying, all we want is Christmas. And you know the story, one teacher put all of her kids in the cabinets and told the shooter as he came by, my kids are in the gymnasium and save those children. And I can't help to think about all the things that I cherish in my life and all the moments that are special to me. Does anybody have something in their life they cherish? You cherish things. Have that object that you cherish. How about that place that's meaningful to you, that's special to you? Maybe it's a person. You see, I have a ring on my finger that means so much to me because of what it represents and who it connects me with. I also have a couple of things that I brought with me today. I went and stole this out of my parents' house because they're not here today. This is a pocket watch. From my grandfather. This year he would have been 100 years old. And on the back. It has the last name Graham. And it has Thomas Archie. 311. 13. Then it has my dad's name. 12145. Then it has my name. Justin. 122079. And this will be something that I will have Judah Martin Graham, 11707. And I will pass this down to my son. And one day he'll be able to hang it in his house. But this is special to us. All the things that I cherish, I have, that I have is there's a person attached to it. I have a Bible that I purchased. And you can ask Melissa how meticulous I am about this Bible. And anytime she grabs it, I'm saying, no, be careful with that Bible. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this Bible is special to me. Because this is the Bible that I take time periodically throughout my week, throughout the month. When something hits me, I open it up and I write in it. And I underline and I highlight. And I make special notes to my son Judah. Because one day I will hand this Bible over to my son. And I want him to see how much the Word of God spoke to my life. And how it can change his life. And Melissa does the same thing with Jocelyn. She has a Bible that she will one day pass down to her. So I cherish this Bible. It means something to me. So everywhere I go, I make sure that this doesn't get messed up. That it's not just thrown somewhere. It's in a special place. I cherish this. Isn't it amazing how some of the things that people cherish or are attached to that are not even connected with a person? I know people that cherish their job and they put their family in second place. They put their marriage in second place. They put their kids in second place. And what will that job do for you when it's over? 
And your children are grown and have graduated from school and moved off to college and they've gotten married and have kids and it's just you in the house again. And you never took time to know them. Sometimes we cherish things that will never cherish us in return. You see, I also have a couple more things. I have this rock right here. This is show and tell day. And to me, this is the most beautiful rock. And it has the word dad on it. And my little girl Jocelyn made that in 2011. And I remember the day she came up to me in my office. And she said, Daddy, I made something for you today. And she handed me a rock. And at first I was like, that's awesome. It's beautiful, babe. And she said, I I gave you this rock and I made you this rock. And I put your name on it, Daddy, because you're my rock. Yeah, she can ask for whatever she wants. I got something else. It's a Major League Baseball, and it has on there Boston 2010. I'm a big Boston Red Sox fan. I hate the Yankees. I'm a little bitter. I'm sorry. And my dad surprised me one year for Father's Day and got me tickets to the Boston Red Sox. And we went on a Friday night and a Saturday during the day and, and watched the Red Sox beat the mess out of two teams. I don't even remember who they played now, but I signed it. My dad signed it. My uncle uh, Jason signed it because he was there, and my little nephew Austin signed it because he was there. We had the best time on that trip. I cherish that ball. It sits in my office, and I look at it all the time, and it brings back all those memories. You see, Psalm 39, verses 4 through 5 reads this. It says, Lord, reveal to me the end of my life and the number of my days. Let me know how short-lived I am. You indeed have made my days short in length, and my lifespan is nothing in your sight. Yes, every mortal man is only a vapor. Your life is just a breath in the eyes of God. I want you to be reminded this morning of how brief our lives are, and let's begin to cherish the things that really matter. I'm about to give you the answer to what life is all about. So if you want to take notes, write it down in your phone, type it into your iPad, or write it on a piece of paper. This is about to change your life. The answer to what life is all about is relationships. When God made man in the garden, he said that it was good. And then the second comment that he makes is, it's not good for him to be alone. So the first gift that God gave to man was a relationship. And somehow we think that we can make it through life without them. Life is too short, church, without being connected with someone or to a group of people to cherish the time that we do have while we are here on earth. Relationships were even important to Jesus. In the middle of a society that that said, treat others like they treat you, Jesus steps up to the plate and preaches the opposite. He preaches something radical. Don't treat others like they treat you. Treat others like you want to be treated, according to Matthew 7 and 12. Mark 12, 31, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. If we took a poll, we would probably come up with the results that would show us that we have relationships that are severed. And probably not where they should be. Relationships that are broken because of misunderstandings or because of a fight. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 says, keep the unity of the spirit with the peace that binds us. Make every effort. Well, Pastor Justin, I've done everything I can and all I know how to make it right with that person. But you just don't understand what kind of devil that person is. 
like you've never been there. Really? Because until you have literally done everything you can to bring peace to that relationship, God says that you are not excused from trying to bring peace to that broken relationship. God is calling us this Christmas, this Christmas season to bring peace to our relationships, to fight for restoration, to fight for that family member, to fight for that friend, to fight for that loved one, to fight for unity in our families. Well, Pastor Justin, you already preached about forgiveness one time this year. Yeah, and I'm doing it again. Because until you forgive, you can't be forgiven. Hebrews chapter 12, 14 and 15 says, Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble. And by it, defiling Many. Does that really mean everyone? It depends on what day of the week it is. I thought I could be selective with who I want to be at peace with. Root of bitterness here is unforgiveness and it's hurt. And Paul is saying, make sure that no root of bitterness, no bitterness from hurt or unforgiveness begins to grow in your life. The seed of bitterness grows in the heart when you have not dealt with a hurtful situation properly. I'm going to give you five ways to know if you are still hurt or if you are still bitter. Five ways to know if you are a bitter person. Number one, bitter people. I cherish that. Thank you. (laughs) How do you know if you are a bitter person? Number one, bitter people justify their bitterness. When you meet someone who is bitter, they have every right to be bitter. Have you heard what they did to me? I have a right to hold a grudge. Bitter people justify their bitterness. Secondly, bitter people become overly critical. If you're bitter at someone, you don't look at them objectively. They don't get another chance with you. You'll pick them apart and you will find every single fault they ever had. You become overly critical. Thirdly, bitter people secretly celebrate misfortunes. If you're bitter at someone, you actually thank God when that person gets a flat tire. Because you thought it serves them right. Like you've never felt that way before. Fourthly, bitter people write off entire groups of people. Now allow me to be honest with you this morning. And hear me out when I explain this to you. I have actually heard people say when they have been mistreated by one person of a particular race. Say something like this. Well, I don't know what I should expect because that's the way all Hispanics are. That's the way all black people are. That's the way all white people are. Well, let me say it like this. The majority of people that have cut me off in traffic have been white people. The majority of people who have flipped me off with the universal number one sign have been white people. But you have never heard me say, well, that's just how all those white people are. That would be stupid of me to write off a whole group of people because of the action of one. For the love of God, if you meet someone of a different race, a different nationality or whatever, and that person is a complete moron, don't write off the entire group because of one person. Ladies, if and when you come across a complete male chauvinist pig, please don't write off all males because that one person chooses to eat bowls of stupid for breakfast in the morning.
Some people have a box of those in their cabinet every morning. And they just. Some of y'all get that later. What are bowls of stupid? So please don't classify me with one of your bad experiences. Why? Because I never voted for that person to become the representative of my gender and my race or my nationality. But that's what bitter people will do. They do it with race and they'll do it with church. Oh, I know how you church people are. You're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. No, just the one you met. Not all of them. Don't write off churches, especially don't write off the most exciting church in Morristown. Amen. And bitter people will do this with pastors as well. Hello. I know how all pastors are. They only work one day a week. They think they're holier than thou. They think the word of God don't apply to them. They think tithing is just for the congregation. No, no, and no. Just the one you met. Just the one you had a bad experience with. Not all of them. I humbly stand before you today recognizing that I am a nobody serving the God of everybody. And we are the Avenue Church and he is the head of this thing. Amen. Fifthly, the last one. Bitter people struggle to see bitterness in the mirror. In fact, if you're a bitter person, you're probably thinking right now, boy, I know someone who else who really needs to hear this today. <laughs> it's funny because there's, it's true. Man, I wish they were here today. Man. What is it that has caused you so much hurt and so much bitterness? My prayer is that you will allow God to point out to you what has caused that seed of bitterness to grow in your life. My dad wasn't there for me. My mom played favorites. I was taken advantage of. I went through a divorce and my ex-wife has turned my kids against me. The church I used to attend really hurt me. My friends stabbed me in the back. My boss didn't hear me out. I'm bitter at you, God. You weren't there when I needed you to show up. I'm bitter that you didn't answer my prayer. I'm bitter that you didn't give me the answer that I wanted. God, I'm bitter at myself. I'm upset at myself. I'm upset at other people because of what they did to my friend. This Christmas, let's get rid of the bitterness once for all. This Christmas, let's get rid of the unforgiveness once for all. It's not worth it. Let it go. This Christmas, start living with freedom in your heart. Start living the blessed life and start being thankful for all the times God looked down on you with mercy to forgive you. Go through Christmas realizing that if it was for you and it was for the whole other world and everybody else to do. God died for you and he God died for them. Go through this Christmas realizing it wasn't just for you. He sent his son into the world and for unto us a child is born and unto us a child is given. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God, the Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I want you to think about the thing that you cherish. And I want you to see the unopened present at the foot of the tree. And thanks be to God for his incredible gift, his indescribable gift. What do you want from God? What do you need God to do for you? What are you believing God for? When I think about the unopened presents, I begin to wonder how many unopened presents God will have this year. 
How many presents that he wanted people to open. He meticulously put these gifts together and beautifully wrapped each gift. And he set them there for you to have. But for you to get it, you've got to do something. Matthew chapter 5, 23 and 24 says, So if you are offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. Let me say it this way. God is saying you can't have what I have until you have offered that same thing to those people who you were hurt at. The foot of God's tree is filled with unopened presents waiting for you. And the only way for you to receive them is for you to reconcile those relationships. Let me help you with how to reconcile with someone. Three things quickly and I'm done. Number one, to reconcile with someone. First, confront humbly. Why? Because confrontation precedes healing. A lot of the times we don't like confrontation. But until you confront a situation, it will never get better. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Secondly, love deeply. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, maintain an intense love for each other since love covers a multitude of sins. The word deeply is, is the same word used to illustrate stretched, like an Olympian stretching across the finish line, trying to finish first place. Paul is saying as hard as an Olympian tries to get first place, that's how hard you should go to heal unreconciled relationships in your life. Why? Because love Covers a multitude of sin. And lastly today, forgive irrationally. Forgive irrationally. Colossians 3.13 Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Well, do you not know how bad they have wounded me? Do you know how bad they hurt me? That's what irrational is all about. The definition of the word irrational is not endowed with reason or understanding, lacking usual or normal mental clarity or coherence. Forgive like you are out of your mind. Forgive like you are a crazy person. Forgive like you don't even know what you're doing. I've got no reason to forgive you, but here it goes. I forgive you. Forgive irrationally. Forgive because isn't that how God forgave you? How many times have you had to go to the Heavenly Father in need of grace and mercy in your time of need, in need of forgiveness? Then we must treat others like we want to be treated. Forgive irrationally. The scripture goes on to say, forgive just as the Lord has forgiven you. Did it make any sense for God to forgive you when you turned your back on him? Did it make any sense for God to forgive you when you blatantly rebelled against him? Did it make any sense for God to reach way down into the nastiness of your life and forgive you and pull you out? Did it make any sense for Jesus Christ to go to the cross to give his life in exchange for yours? Did it make any sense for God to forgive you of that sin that you've had to ask forgiveness for 417 times? And did it make any sense for God to forgive you when you asked 
We need to forgive others just the same way that Jesus Christ has forgiven us. Why in the world are you talking about this in part of your Tis the Season Christmas series? Because life is too short to not have anything to do with a person that you have something against from years ago or last week or whatever. Life is too good not to cherish. It's too good. Tis the season to cherish. What has God forgiven you of? And you can't find it in your heart to forgive others? I think of the last moments that Jesus had on this earth. And as he hung there on the cross, the first thing out of his mouth was, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Who must you forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Who has hurt you? You may be a one person you need to forgive. Some of you need to forgive yourselves. Now, who do you need to ask for forgiveness? You see, I want every access to the gifts that God has for me, but I can't have those gifts unless I forgive. Pastor Justin, does God have a Christmas tree? Absolutely. It's an evergreen because it's alive in every season. But does it have lights on it? Only one. And it's the greatest light. And he hangs there saying, forgive as I have forgiven you. And at the foot of that tree is every blessing you desire. At the foot of that tree is every blessing that you'll ever need in life. The solution, every problem in life you'll ever have. And those blessings and those gifts are made readily available to you. But unless you are willing to forgive someone who has hurt you, then those presents will go unopened. Christmas is forgiving. Forgiving. I love this right here. Our greatest need in life is forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. That's our greatest need. How many times have we messed up and blown it on an everyday basis that we have to crawl up to God and find mercy and grace in our time of need? Our greatest need is forgiveness, so He sent us a Savior. And we are to show the world who Jesus is and invite them to experience His love and hope. John chapter 13, 34 through 35 says, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Tis the season to cherish, cherish life, cherish family, and cherish relationships. The answer to the reason of why we are here is a relationship. A relationship with God and a relationship with others.